Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast. A lot to get to on tonight's episode. The Nationals' 5-1 loss to the Blue Jays on Tuesday. The news that they won't be playing at the Marlins uh, this coming weekend. And a whole lot more. Connor Jones and I have it all for you coming up here on the Locked On Nationals podcast, brought to you by rockauto.com. 3-2 to Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki! See you later! The Nats have won it! Seven runs in the bottom of the ninth! This is deep to center field. Bellinger's back. It's a grand slam! Howie Kendrick with a 10th inning grand slam to break it open. The former Dodger breaking hearts in Los Angeles. The kick in, here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. You are listening to the Locked On Nationals podcast. Your one-stop shop for news, analysis, and conversation surrounding your reigning, undisputed World Series champion, Washington Nationals. Now, here's your host, Josh Neighbors. Hello, everybody. Locked On Nationals podcast. It is Tuesday, July 28th, 2019. Well, 2019, 2020. 9:10 um, p.m. when Connor Jones and I are recording this podcast. Blue Jays 5 and Nationals 1 and on a day that had a lot of bad news when it comes to baseball. Uh, this, for Nationals fans, was just another real uh, kick in the groin area, if you, if you will. Uh, the Nationals offense is rudderless right now. To, to say the bad, I mean, its rudder is literally out. Juan Soto is um, cleared today by the testing standards, but needs clearance from the Major League Baseball office. And also from the city of Washington, D.C., before he can rejoin the lineup. And good Lord, Connor, do they need him now? Yeah, I, I think we knew coming into this year it was going to be more of a challenge offensively without Anthony Rendon. When you take Quan Soto out of the mix there, too, it just you're left with a group of guys that you just don't have any real threats the way that you're used to, guys that really scare you in that lineup. It's what I've kind of said to you. I've said this lineup is full of guys that would be solid six-hole hitters. So I don't want to call out anybody individually and and say that you know they're they're not a guy that can help you at the plate because I don't think that's necessarily true. I think a lot of guys are being asked to maybe do more than they're capable of. You have a lot of guys who can be a solid piece for you, but you're lacking star star power in that lineup. Guys that really scare you on a night-to-night basis, and I think that's what you're seeing through the first five games of this season. No, and, and this is exactly how I feel when I watch. There's a lot of guys who are supposed to surround the punch, but they're missing the puncher. They, they're missing the guy that throws those shots. That is the feared hitter in the lineup. And, I mean, when I'm looking at, the, at these results and, you know, tonight's game is not one of those is really worth getting in this, into the specifics, kind of going inning by inning to say what happened because the Nationals' mistakes killed them. It's kind of the short, the short answer on part of it, and the rest of it is their offense did. But they had four hits this evening. Three of those came from the top two guys in the lineup, which is good in the sense of, okay, that's good. Your one-two, your one-two, excuse me, are getting on base. They're providing some offense, but the three is missing behind them. On the negative side of things, the rest of the lineup is nowhere to be found. Now, 
I think things look different. Like you said, like the guys are being asked to do more than, than really what they're capable of. But, um, you know, with Soto there, I think things definitely look different. The pressure balance, you know, what the demands of the offense become different, but also too, at the same time, these guys are professionals, man. And against a team like the Jays, they have to do better than what they've done the first two games. The offensive performance, and last night's too, four double plays, a bunch of guys left on base, two for ten with runners in scoring position. These guys are professional hitters. They need to do better. They, they should be doing better than this. Yeah, I, it's not – the Rendon and Soto not being there isn't an excuse for other guys' performance, no doubt. I think you hit on something when we talk about Trey Turner and Adam Eaton doing their job at the top of the lineup, being guys that get on base – I mean, they were the one, two table setters on a World Series winning team. And they're showing that once again, they can still be that for you. With what comes behind them, actually getting them in has been a huge struggle. I mean, you go back to Sunday afternoon, Starlin Castro coming up in the three hole with one out and runners on second and third and him not getting the job done. And then Eric Thames after the intentional walk to Howie Kendrick, not getting the job done out of the five hole either. It's just, it's new faces and it's not, it's not what you're used to seeing out of this lineup going back to last year. It's just, it's maybe, maybe it's a little too early to pile on guys. Maybe it's, maybe it's a little, little unfair in a 60 game year. They're asking, they're replacing guys like Anthony Rendon's a tough ask for basically anyone across the league. But, but right now these guys are just flat out not getting the job done. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by CBDMD. Does not matter if you're a pro athlete, stay-at-home parent, or you spend eight hours a day in a chair like me, everyone needs support to make it through the day. Luckily, our friends at CBDMD have an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic. CBD Freeze with Menthol is an award-winning product that offers instant cooling relief for muscles and joints in a convenient and easy-to-use roller or shareable squeeze tube. CBD Recovers combines CBD with inflammation-fighting compounds like Arnica and vitamin B6 to give you the support you need where it matters the most. And to make it even easier to try this amazing duo of topicals and everything else that CBDMD has to offer, they're offering all of our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code when you use the promo code LOCKEDONMLB at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code LOCKEDONMLB, for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD oil products from CBDMD.com. Yeah, and I'm not sure if you noticed this too, but I didn't like guys' approaches early in counts. I thought there was a lot of first pitch strikes, especially from tonight. Tanner Roark pitched a really nice game, but I thought there were a lot of first pitch strikes and against a guy who is not necessarily, you know, not known for his power. I mean, there's some low 90s fastballs, you know, upper 80s fastballs that are sitting in the zone for the taking. And, and even if it's, if it's on the first pitch, I feel like your offense isn't producing much as it is. They need, they should probably try to get after it a little bit more earlier in counts. That's one thing that I know. It's not sure if you saw that, but I mean, it couldn't, it couldn't hurt, you know, with, with the way the Nats are swinging the bats, it seems like they're getting a bit more deeper into counts and things aren't going very well for them. Yeah. And I completely agree. I think the approaches are for lack of a better term, less professional than we've seen in previous years. And we haven't even mentioned the loss of Ryan Zerman yet, a guy that's known for giving you professional at-bats when he's healthy and out there. So that's three guys. And he's a guy that can hit in that five, six spot for you still. So losing all those guys, it's, it's kind of to be expected. I've said on this podcast before that I thought the offense would get off to a, a little bit of a rough start this year, and that was not even knowing Juan Soto wasn't going to be out there. Did I think it was going to be this bad? I can't say I, I envisioned that happening. 
one thing that really, really piles on an already struggling offense is the base running errors, the errors you have defensively. The pitching staff's doing a good enough job for you, but it's just a lack of attention to detail with running the bases and, and playing the field. And if I'm Davey Martinez, these guys are not going to have a fun weekend when they have those three games off uh, or three games that would have been played against Miami are now going to be workout days. I mean, that's got to, you got to get back to the fundamentals. Yeah. And it started early in this game, right? I mean, in center field, you had an issue between uh, Bonifacio and, and Victor Robles on the first home run of the game from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And whether or not that ball is caught is kind of besides the point. I mean, you had a chance to rob that home run, but because I mean, in, in an empty stadium, there was a, there was a communication error. And it's not and, the first time it's happened all year. Right. It's happened in left field and center field with Victor Robles, and I believe it was Michael A. Taylor last time, but I could be getting that wrong. So it's not the first time we've seen um, a mental error, and that doesn't even get to the – Well, it, it, it takes away from – not saying you're going to make that catch, but it takes away your chance to do it. And, I mean, it's – Robles had a glove on that ball. This is not saying he's going to catch it, but you're not giving yourself a chance. Yeah, it, he's – Part of it, you may be just having a new guy out there in Bonifacio that's never been never been in left field in a in a real live game with Victor Robles before. But even saying that, that doesn't make it that doesn't make that acceptable. The and the real issue is the defensive the defensive problems don't stop there. That they right. have there's the so beginning. many errors. Starlin Castro has been atrocious defensively. Well, and there were two times tonight in this game that were the where the Nationals. I, I think they're both with two outs. Uh, made an error and allowed an extra runner, you know, to be on base. And uh, at least one, one time there was two outs. But their, their errors cost them at least two runs in this ball game. Yeah, it's two, two earned runs. runs. Two earned runs, three runs earned on Starlin Castro errors. Right. And, it's, and, and that thing is – and look, I know he's not – you know, he's new, but, but that's no excuse. And um, he – I, I struggle sometimes calling somebody who is a professional athlete saying that they're – unfocused or the effort's not there but uh to me with him it something's off there's just something's missing it just doesn't seem to be much of a you know it's not like like, like eric thames is a good example i, I mean eric thames's effort has been exceptional so far say what you will about the performance but you could like you know he pulls basically pulls his hamstring running yesterday and you know he's i mean that guy is busting his butt trying to you know tr- you know uh, scoring from first base yesterday, busting his butt down the line. I mean, that guy, you know, say what you will about the, about the results, but the effort's there. From Castro, I'm, I'm not sure you feel that way. Yeah, Eric, Eric Thames and Starlin Castro, comparing the two so far, the the arm angle on the throw to, to Howie Kendrick, I know we're really getting into the depths of things here, but to me, that's just that's just lazy trying to lob the ball over there like that from from that from that arm angle that's just that kind of error is inexcusable both the ones he made tonight are just completely routine plays throwing a ball from second base to first base to get out of an inning fielding a routine grounder that really didn't look like it took a bad hop at all right to you that cost you two more runs so it's just stuff like that you have to work through and you have a lot less time to do it in a season like this it's there's a lot of problems. A lot of it's just the the guys that aren't there and, and the fill-ins are just, they're just straight up not as good of baseball players. That's, that's just, I mean, you, you, you regressed, you traded right. out better players for worse players in certain spots. And it's, it's kind of a simplistic way to, to break things yeah. down and to view it, but, but it's the truth. I mean, in the three hole hitter in the lineup starting the year, it's Starlin Castro, not Anthony Rendon. 
Starlin Castro is a fine baseball player, but he's not in the same stratosphere as Anthony Rendon. And you're trying to replace that offense somehow, and it's just going to be really tough. Yeah, and, and the thing about Castro is, you know, you have to expect more from him, you know, in both ways. I mean, out of active players, I, th- I think they should have stat tonight. I'm not sure if you saw it, but out of active players born in the 1990s, Stalin Castro is the leader uh, amongst all of them in terms of hits. He is ahead of Jose Altuve. Uh, and so this is somebody that, you know, like at this point in his career, you there's an expectation that he's got to bring it. And especially on a team and a culture like the Nationals, I mean, that kind of play is in a certain way unacceptable because – the Nationals have such a strong culture, and it's such a workman's culture, and they've got so many players that embody that. Castro's going to re- learn very quickly, I feel like, that, you know, kind of the things that faulted him as a young player, um, they expect them to be gone. Like, those cannot be around uh, anymore. And, you know, some of the stuff that ailed him on the, on the Cubs and the Marlins, uh, you know, and, and so forth. Um, and also, you know, to your point about the replacement players, you know, there's some teams like the Yankees where the, the replacement guys come in and do really well, and that's a very, you know, small example of it happening a lot. Most times it kind of ends up like what the Nationals are dealing with uh, right now. The, you know, they have to get this thing on track. They're one twelfth of the way through the season. Five games is one twelfth of it. So, I mean, not, they're not doomed, um, obviously, but they have to get things going. The more important news is that the national schedule has been thrown way into flux because the Marlins have had their season temporarily paused. So the Nationals this weekend, after their two games on Wednesday and Thursday, are going to be off as you know, as it sounds like right now, until next Wednesday, so, uh, or excuse me, next Tuesday when they play the New York Mets in a in a midweek series, two games in a midweek series. So um, wild day, Connor, just a completely wild day. And I know we've got some anger kind of bubbling up right now towards the Nationals in this podcast, but um, the league deserves some ire too. And this is not kind of the same. Rob Manford garbage. We've said this time and time again. The last thing that was hammered out in those negotiations between the players and the league was the uh, was the health and wellness, the kind of the policy to deal with COVID, the, 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 those regulations. I know they had over 100 pages of documents. But my problem is, and you and I talked about this earlier today, is that for some reason on Sunday, a team with three positive COVID tests in the Marlins was sitting there deciding, they were deciding whether the game should be played or not on Sunday. And then you look today with the Nationals, they were deciding whether or not they wanted to go to Miami this weekend. And they voted as a team, no. Then the league stepped in and said they had the final say when it came to this. Where was the league on Sunday is my question. This is, and look, we knew something like this might happen. But why was the league absent when a team had three COVID tests? And why are they making some kind of decision like this? Yeah, that's that's a very interesting point. I mean, yeah. You brought that up earlier today when we were texting about it. And that is, I was like, that is weird. The league is stepping in and, and saying the Nats don't have the final say on whether they can play this game, but the Marlins could have either chosen to play or not play. I assume if they were – well, I guess the way it would have worked if the Marlins decided they didn't want to play, the league would have had to have the final say on that as well. Right. So I guess in terms of not playing, the league's always going to have the, the last – But my side. question is with the three coronavirus tests, right? Because, I mean, I don't know if the team yeah. tests count. Them where do you – where are we going to – like? Where do you draw the line on that, though, going forward? Like, in hindsight on this, that makes sense. But in, on opening day, when Juan Soto had the, the positive test, could the, if one guy tests positive, do you not play? If three guys test positive, do you not play? So I think things get really tricky there when you're trying to get a season in. Um, 
you know, so where, where would you draw that line, I guess would be my question. Because I, I think it makes sense. The line should be drawn somewhere. It's just when you try and decide where that is, that that's where things, I think, get a little bit tougher. Yeah, I, I think the odd part is, and I've been saying this all day, is that, you know, on, on last Thursday, this easily could have been the Nats. I mean, if, if Juan Soto did have coronavirus, um, you know, it, w- it, was, it would be a kind of a different situation. Like, it, it could have been a bad situation. Now, Davey Martinez, and I, and I think he deserves a ton of credit for this. The start's been horrible. But Davey Martinez's leadership throughout all of this, the comments he's made publicly, uh, the way the team kind of, you know, the decisions that the team's been making, uh, they've been steadfast. And, and I think if Davey Martinez, if you ask if he was a commissioner of baseball, we wouldn't be playing right now. He has just been very weary. But um, once again, the consummate professional showing up to work, doing his job. He talks about the guys who are with him right now. They said they're all focused on baseball. It's my job to focus up with them. So I've been impressed with his leadership. Um, and last Thursday, he even said, I'm concerned about Juan and all of the other guys, uh, you know, who are in contact with him. So it is one of those odd situations where the details are murky, but it's, it's unacceptable to have three players on a team. I mean, three is, you know, it's more than one. And we have three test positive that's a different issue because one could be a false positive. Three is, a, is an issue, especially for a team that it sounds like now, according to some rumors, might have been engaging in some activities they should not have been. And, you know, there's something – I just – with the one Soto stuff, it's different because, right, he comes over and he has to quarantine for two weeks. And for a guy like that, it must be super frustrating. And you can tell, you know, like – it's a different situation because that guy wants to play baseball. And we've heard from all accounts today, he's clear good to go from the team awaiting on, uh, obviously, as we said, the, the league and DC. Th- that's a different situation than three players, maybe who were involved going to a strip club catching coronavirus. You know, I know what you're saying is, yeah, could, you know, like what we're saying, like could have been the Nats too. But for me, the Marlins, um, the Marlins lack of caring about others and, kind of the lack of leadership across the board is what's appalling to me. Yeah, I think, I think that it's a, it's a very fair point talking about what they may have done off the field. If that, if that part of it's true, I mean, I'm, I'm personally not all that up to date on, on where they were. When the, they were yeah, the, I mean, the allegations that some of them went to a strip club after, you know, after um, their, their scrimmage they had against the Braves in Atlanta. Whether it's true or not, you know, obviously that's, that's what's been circling around. Dylan Short of the Locked on Braves podcast subscribes to that theory. So, you know, if he subscribes to it, it's fine. But the idea that three players have coronavirus, that is kind of more of the issue I'm talking about as opposed to one guy who's kind of in a different spot. Yeah, I, I think you can't assume the false positive on the one guy, though. Right. No, I know. So the, the one versus three thing doesn't, doesn't – I don't see too much – of a difference in how you respond to that in terms of canceling games. As far as the Marlins personally knowing, Hey, we know guys have been, have been out and they've been in risky situations where they could have contracted the virus. Three of us now have it. And then just determining you want to play, knowing those circumstances, that's really dumb. And that's, that's an unfortunate decision. If it's somebody's got to step up too, somebody's got to step up and and know, you know, what happened there and, and say something. Yeah, that, that part of it makes it more of a problem. When you look at what's happened across baseball, there hasn't been another positive test besides the Marlins uh, players-wise since Juan Soto on Thursday, which it's probably safe to assume was a false positive. I think that that's actually overall a really good sign because it shows you right. that 29 teams 
for the most part over the last week have have been making a pretty conscious effort to to stay safe and keep their their teammates safe so that they can complete this season. So it may be a situation where one team made a pretty a pretty tough mistake, which is really shut down their their year for um, for who knows how long. And I think the issue now the issue now becomes one of scheduling because. Each and this is you know the, the weird part for me is obviously it's odd with those those guys not playing but they're falling behind in terms of the number of games played and the Braves not playing till or excuse me the Marlins not playing until Monday is going to put them what four five games behind schedule maybe uh, you know they haven't played let's see actually it put them a week behind schedule six or seven games behind schedule so that is a tough spot to be in now. Yeah, they're going to – I really think they're going to go with this winning percentage thing if they don't get all of the, the games in, which I just – I don't agree with that at all, especially in a, a circumstance where the Miami – if they've kind of contracted the virus due to their own carelessness, the league would essentially award them for playing less games, which really helps a bad team like the Marlins, not saying that they're going to make the playoffs no matter how many games they play – but a team that isn't supposed to be good, if you play less games, I would think there's more luck involved in a lower number of games than there are over 60 games. So you're essentially going to award the worst team in the NL East for, for their own careless mistakes if you, go, if you don't play all the games and you, you go by that winning percentage theory or, or idea. If they play 45 games, well, and, and it affects other teams too. The Nationals are going to lose out on their chance to play the Marlins this weekend. Yeah, uh, and and I mean, you're you're not asking to make up two games. You're asking the, to make up a full. The competitive three. integrity of the season is, I think, we all know that that's pretty much non-existent in a year where you're playing in three different pods, and then you're going to also compare records between teams that didn't play any of the same opponents. Like, it, I get it. We just want to have baseball, so you want to you want to. But I think whatever it. whatever integrity you do have, you need to protect. Yes, that's, yes. That's, I, that's, that's I think there's I think there's a point where it goes too far. I think the the pods that that's acceptable. That makes sense. You understand why they're doing it, and it's really the best you can do under the circumstances right. to get a season in. I think when you start going to Miami plays fifty games instead of sixty because they went to a strip club and contracted the coronavirus, and then other teams also miss games because of that then you're going too far something like I don't know what the best solution would be but to me that's not fair I'm I'm biased as a Nats fan but them not be, having the opportunity to play three games if the league investigates and determines that you know this happened and I, I'd say that I'd say that, that that's a that's a problem and that's not the right way to handle things well I mean yeah and if results hold tonight the, you know, the Mets will be three and two the, the Marlins will be two and one and for context Two and one is a better winning percentage than three and two. So you think about it that way, it's like, oh, well, the Mets just won back-to-back games in Boston. Uh, it, you know, it wouldn't matter in that sense because the, the, the Marlins have the, the two and one, you know, advantage. And I agree with you on that. You, you cannot, you can't kind of reward it. They're not rewarding it, but you can't uh, incentivize any kind of missing games. It, it's, it's a massive issue. Yeah, what if a team... What if a team gets out to a hot start? Maybe they're, they're 20 and 12 through 30 games. I mean, at that point, you're almost incentivizing a team to, right. to contract the virus if it's all about winning percentage and not play games for a week and a half. Are you and, not? And the ripple effect is we're feeling it too, right? The Yankees were affected. The Orioles were affected. The Phillies were affected. The Nationals are, are affected. So now, including the Marlins, you have five teams whose scheduling and ability to play their full normal schedule has been affected. 
And so that's, in my opinion, it's a situation now where um, this is this is why non-bubble sports, it's just hard to see them working, especially in the United States of America right now with the way the coronavirus situation is. Because you're going, and college football, you and I know are massive college football fans, very involved with it. That is the problem they're going to run into, and they're trying to find a way to, to, to get bye weeks. They've got one game a week, and it's an issue. You add baseball to the mix where you've got six or seven in a week, I mean, good. I mean, for the Nationals, for the Nationals case, they have seven games this week, and you add it into the mix. I mean, you're, you're now in a situation where the Nationals are going to get screwed out of fifty percent of their games. The Marlins are going to miss an entire week of baseball. The Phillies will miss two games, uh, or more than two games. It's going to be four for them. The Yankees missed two or three games. The Orioles missed two or three games. This is the danger of it. And somebody's it, it, the the painful part is that I enjoy watching the Nats play. I enjoy watching all these other teams play. Is that one team, and by extension also the league's incompetence, has caused this to happen. Yeah. The thing that, that's really just kind of stuck on my mind when we talk about this, this scheduling fiasco that we're now facing because of what has happened to the Marlins, I don't know, without knowing the facts of the situation, I'm not going to – Critic. I'm not going to criticize what they did or didn't do. I think the decision I, I to play. I think the decision to play is is what sticks out the most. No matter how they contracted it, the decision to play the game is what bothers me. Maybe on that. I on that. I'm still saying if one guy tests positive, I don't think you can ask an entire team to say that they're not going to play that day because MLB players, in my opinion, aren't going to say that for the for the most part, unless they know that there's a, a serious problem going around their clubhouse. But the idea that a team can play less games, make it to the playoffs after can, after having a bunch of guys contract the virus, I'm thinking of a scenario, say someone like the Kansas city Royals, that's not supposed to win a lot of games is 25 and 12. You're incentivizing them to sit out for a week and keep that winning percentage. There's an incentive to do that if the league goes about with that let's play less than 60 games and go by winning percentage strategy. I think it's incredibly dumb. It makes no sense to me. And I think you have to, you have to find a way to either get the games in or, or there has to be, there has to be some incentive for teams to not be able to sit out for a week and a half to two weeks. All right. So moving, moving on to our last topic here and, and kind of previewing what's ahead for the Nats tomorrow. Uh, Nats and Blue Jays. Blue Jays will be the home team tomorrow coming in at three and two. Nats one and four. These two games were supposed to be in Toronto. They're going to be in Nats Park. All right. So tomorrow it's going to be uh, Max Scherzer and Nate Pearson Connor going at it. A really critical game for the Nats coming. I mean, this is their five games in. So they're about to be tomorrow is their one tenth of the way through the season. This was a stretch of games that we thought would be favorable for the Nationals. Tomorrow's game now becomes critical. I think there's a chance Juan Soto's in the lineup tomorrow. I, I think if they can get him cleared and get him to the ballpark, I mean, you know, to be cleared by the team test-wise today during the day, over 24 hours, 30 hours should be enough to get him cleared from whoever else needs to clear him and get him to the ballpark if possible. That'd be, that'd be great news. Very, very welcome news. Personally, I've seen enough of Emilio Bonifacio in the lineup after tonight. So I'm hopeful to get Juan Soto back in there. It's a it's a pretty big game. Like you don't want to go to one and five, but I also said last night you don't want to go to one and four. So who knows? Yeah. It, it, who really knows at this point? Right. But you got to be confident tomorrow having Scherzer on the bump in a spot like this. I'm I'm confident with Max Scherzer on the bump. I'm not confident in scoring runs off of Nate Pearson. I mean the guy's a the guy's a top prospect for a reason. And even though we haven't necessarily seen much of him, you know he's a he's a 
really good arm, and it really they, doesn't really matter who Toronto's thrown out there. The Nats haven't really scored off them. The Yankees had a bullpen day on Sunday. The Nats didn't really get much offense going there. Didn't hit Garrett Cole. So really, one time out of five so far, they've they've had a good night at the plate. So they're going to have to give Max Scherzer some run support. The bullpen for Washington overall has actually looked good, so you feel confident behind him hopefully tomorrow. What is interesting to me, a little bit off topic, is the relievers that the Nats have gone with as their ahead guys or their, their late inning guys don't look to have the same stuff as some of the guys that they have gone to uh, maybe earlier in games or when they're down. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think guys like Tanner Rainey and Ryan Harper have actually looked looked really good and are probably going to be deserving of some, some uh, big-time high-leverage innings here going forward. Yeah, but, and Harp, yeah, they both been in Sam Freeman to some extent too. I mean, he has, he's looked pretty decent. Yeah, comparatively to Will Harris and Sean Doolittle, who you think of as is your late inning guys. I Doolittle's fastball is not there right now. Hopefully, he gets that back. Will Harris, I mean, I, he's a command guy. I'm not all too familiar with him without seeing him in in Houston um, a lot outside of the playoffs in the World Series. So, just kind of a. a point maybe not to make too much of it so early in the season but just something I've noticed that I think could be interesting but yeah tomorrow Max Scherzer he's a stopper on the mound you you hope you can get that win and and right the ship a little bit all right perfect Connor appreciate your time make sure you guys check out the Locked On MLB podcast as well as the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast all these things part of the Locked On Podcast Network before we go I want to let you guys know that tonight's Locked On Nationals podcast was brought to you by rockauto.com Chain stores have different price tiers for pros and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, always low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. It is for everybody, and it does not require membership or account login. Best of all, once again, the prices are always low. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know what we sent you. Amazing selection, always low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com.